The Institute of Directors professional development programmes equip learners with the knowledge, skills and mindset to be enterprising and innovative, enabling organisations to become more productive and competitive. The IOD's programmes ensure directors develop an awareness of their interpersonal skills, legal and business knowledge, financial acumen, ethical questioning, decision-making abilities and the highest standards of professional conduct. The IOD is the only institute in the world to offer internationally recognised qualifications designed by directors for directors under Royal Charter. For more information on IOD training, visit iod.com today. Welcome to the Institute of Directors, Leaders and Business podcast, a podcast where we interview directors from all over the UK about their careers and business. I'm your host, Marlene Lowe, founder and director of Titchborne Promotions and long-term IOD member. Caroline Donaldson founded her coaching business 29 years ago when she took all her learnings from the corporate world and decided to help leaders become better leaders. Focusing on executive development and developing personal awareness, Caroline's well-equipped in helping people from across a variety of organizations in private, public, and voluntary sectors. So here's Caroline's story. Actually, it's an interesting one to think about, isn't it, your origin? But actually, I am now running my business 29 years, 29 and a half years, actually, as my son has just turned 29. Well, he will tomorrow. (laughs) Um, And I was in a consultancy business before that. So I have had 31 and a half years of consultancy experience and and then my own business. And my own business was consultancy as well as the executive coaching, which is now what I do. So I think that says something about that journey. Um, And it also says what age I am. So we'll we'll move on from that. (laughs) Yeah, if only. (laughs) But um, I think what is interesting is what took me into the consultancy world is I was already in um, management positions. So I'd, I'd started off from graduating to be a retail manager mm-hmm. and um, never expecting to be in retail, but you know, you go where you get a job and that's it. And I stayed in um, mother care as it was for two and a half years. And I started as a, you know, a lowly departmental manager and ended up being um, store manager. So that's great experience, which might not have been the most enjoyable if I'm honest, but taught me loads and actually probably about 95 percent of what i know yeah you really need to be a good manager and and, and leader yeah so lots of learning very formative younger years and then at 25 i moved to another big company and i think the big companies are where well that's where i've had my experience and my learning yeah. and this was a superb company to work for great training i was in a role as a trainer and it's got a really funny story how i got this job i applied for um like a, it was like a small area manager's job it was called a district manager and i thought well i haven't got the experience for that but i needed out i was <laughs> desperate to get out. i just thought i need to leave these i need to leave um i wasn't really that happy in uh, in uh, retail and um I applied for this job that I saw and it was uh, away in Edinburgh somewhere. Anyway, I didn't care. So I went along, 
15 minutes into the interview with two people interviewing me, the, the lady who was, in those days, it was called a personnel um, officer. And uh, she said, I'm going to stop the interview now, she said, because I'm going to tell you, Caroline, you've not got the experience we need to be a district manager. And I said, well, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. You know, I really am surprised I'm here. And she <laughs> said, well, the reason why I wanted to see you is because I've got another job in mind for you. And I went, really? What's that? <laughs> So she told me about this job as a training officer and it was going to cover um, a certain region in, in England and uh, it was based in Billingham. I didn't even know where Billingham was <laughs> and Middlesbrough. And I don't know where these places are. So that's how I got that job. So she she interviewed me. I then go to meet the big boss guy. He said yes. And I was based in Leeds. So there I was thinking, oh, 25, got this fantastic new job. I'm going to have to leave home, which was great. It was just perfect timing. And um, my mum was a single parent all on her own. You know, we, we'd been brought up by mum. So it was time to leave the nest. And I was the baby in the nest, but needed to go. I mean, heavens <laughs> need to go. And was so looking forward to it until I went to Billingham and thought, oh, I don't think I want to live here, but hey. <laughs> so, um, and I, I remember getting a fantastic company car. It was a Ford Escort and I drove this brand new car up the road I thought I died and gone to heaven and um, then as things went on I, I did a bit of work down in that part of the world and um, Teesside all that area in Yorkshire and then moved back well I never moved away actually I then got asked to stay in the west of Scotland and then I got the whole of Scotland then I got the whole of Scotland and the northern and north of England and northern Ireland and I'm like and that's how it's been for me actually things just get kind of added on to me and I do them and the job changed and I became personnel and training which was lovely because I'd done my IPM as it was in those days personnel management so I was very very I was I just absolutely loved that job loved it and then all things got a little quiet company was going through lots of change kept buying up the competitors to stay in action and uh, the market was dying so we were in the end the only two one our company and another company were the only um what i would call the 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 main the high street known names that were still around um but in that time of course because they kept changing i then was asked to go can I put that company together go oh we've just bought that one go and sort <laughs> them out and you had a sort of checklist approach they were, they were fantastic at it and uh, i i laugh now when i think about some companies that merge and they take years a company bought a company and you had 12 weeks off you go get them get them sorted but it worked because you had no there was no um nonsense you know it was pretty straightforward pretty clear and if people had worries and concerns of course you address them um, but there was no need to draw out the agony and the pain and actually i think i think there's some lessons from that that could well be used you think of the, the, the people's worries about their jobs, just let them not have that worry as fast as you possibly can. Exactly. So um, that was my that was my training. So I then went to um, a particular um, place in Air, Ayrshire and there was a new um, area manager and my boss personnel guy said, Canon, you need to go and help whatever his name was. Fred and I said oh okay I'll go and help Fred and while I'm helping Fred I see that the sales guy is absolutely hopeless the sales manager I said he needs to go he needs a package he needs to go those were the days when you had all that lovely control and power I loved it so um had a chat with him and sure enough he was very unhappy and he didn't want to stay there so he went and I uh, was asked to stay to support the new guy but be in his job so I'd gone for personal training into a sales manager's job. I'm like, I can't do that. 
anyway, I did do it. And then I realized I really liked that. So I stayed in that show. <laughs> I, left, I left personality training and then I uh, just got promoted and did really well. And, and I left that company being a regional manager and I loved it. It was great. Um, and then I, I moved into consultancy. So I'm giving you that background so that you see where, where did I get to know the stuff I knew and the early 30s to go into consultancy because you know because it was all about helping companies change and help people change to get better results and that's what I do and now I do the executive coaching which is about helping people change individuals and um, be the best they can be be all they can be and um, yeah that's my journey. So you're someone that really and, thrives on change don't you? Oh I love it well I get bored easily yeah I do get bored easily. So having different clients keep me going. So I've already coached two people this morning, entirely different businesses, entirely different types of people. Um, and I've got another two this afternoon, which is a bit of a heavy day today. <laughs> but I'm on a, I've taken myself on my learning. Yeah. And I'm, I'm on a, a supervision course for supervisors of coaches because I'm now beginning to do that. So some trainee coaches I'm getting to supervise in a contract I do um, with Ross Taylor's company, RTC, which is now part of InTouch. And um, I think, well, I, I really think I ought to be professional about this and get my qualifications. So it takes about a year. And so I started that on Saturday. So I work Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Hence, I'm a bit busy today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. So with having yeah. such a varied clientele, what, what is it that you feel kind of unites them that you can help people in completely different industries, different backgrounds, etc.? Um, I think the people element of people, I know that sounds a bit silly, but the behavioural, the motivational, the what makes you tick, visionary stuff, strengths, weaknesses, they're all people factors. And that's the sort of centre spine, if you like, because everybody's different, but, but you need to focus on these things to get the most out of yourself. So if you start talking to somebody, I mean, if I was talking to you about improving yourself or doing whatever you wanted to do, it would be around, well, what's your vision? Where are you trying to get to? And, and what do you know about yourself? What's your strengths? What do people say about you? So you might bring in some feedback or a 360 or a psychometric and, and that sort of gap analysis, you know? And, um, and I know some people are more keen on that than others. And, um, but it's really, it, it's so useful when you can hold the mirror up to somebody in a way and say, here's what, here's what, this is saying about you or here's what I'm feeling about you because that's also what being a, a coach is because you experience that person as they are and and so that's that's this that's what's same but different yeah what's your other than the change what's the biggest reward that you get out of what you do every day Oh, watching people get to where they want to get to, that is so rewarding. So, you know, the beginning of the, there's the start, I always talk about uh, beginnings and endings. So the beginning of working with somebody, you're learning about them and you're learning about their style and their approach and, and also their, their concerns and worries about everything, but you're also learning about their vision for themselves. And, and you get some really specific goal areas about where would they like to see themselves and all the rest. And then you work with them over a period of time, whether it's months or some cases years, but on the whole, it's months. 
And at the end of it, or throughout, you can see some of that change happen and some of that awareness. And oh, that's just so rewarding. It's fabulous. The aha moments. I'm like, yes, another one. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you have received in your career that you feel has helped bring you to where you are today? Oh, do you know, and it would be right back. It was just say yes. Put your hand up. Yeah. Just say yes, I'll do that. Um, and I sometimes think maybe I, I do that too much um, because I end up doing too much. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, well, maybe I'll put my hand up too much. And it's not, I can't say no. I'm perfectly able to say no, but I don't want to miss out the opportunity. <laughs> so, so we've got a wee problem there. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. Just have a go. Just don't worry about it. Just have a go. So I think one of the, you, you for the entire time I've known you, you, you definitely come off as being fearless. And yes. that does come with that, just say yes, just go for it, just say yes. But if you are someone that's a bit more reserved or doesn't know how to overcome that fear, how can you get back, get into that yes mindset of taking any opportunity and just running with it? Yeah, I suppose, um because I like the excitement of it and I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> and I and I do, if I really am a bit, I mean, I'll be a bit overwhelmed sometimes or I think, oh my goodness, I've never done that before. How am I ever going to do that? I just, I, I, I suppose I go into a place of, well, what's the worst thing that could happen here? So the worst thing that could happen is I fail. Uh-huh. And what would that look like? And what would failure actually mean? It would just mean I didn't do that well. That's actually what failure would mean in that circumstance. So, so I say I go for a job and I get it, or a, or a piece of work and I get it, and it doesn't work out. Well, in all fairness, in my world, that's not going to happen because it's going to work out. I'll find a way of making it work <laughs> out. But I think the mindset is take yourself to the worst place, the thing you fear, and then work your way back from, okay, say that happened. How would I deal with that? And where else have I had to deal with something like that or even something worse? So you can draw on your own experience and your own experience of what you were like when that dreadful thing happened. And it also means you can have a feeling of, well, I did that and I coped with that and that was far worse. So I'm sure I'll be okay. Yeah. It kind of puts it in perspective a bit. Yeah. So you're in touch with leaders and you help leaders, emerging leaders, people that just want to get to the top of their game on a daily mm -hmm. basis mm -hmm. is there a common what's the word not a common problem but maybe something that they feel is is there something that's common towards all of them that they find difficult to maybe feel this is just something i struggle with but actually it's something lots of people struggle with but something that they think, maybe don't talk yeah. about yeah, and I think there'll be a slightly different order to these things, mm. depending on the person. But there's, it's almost like there's a bit of a shopping bag of things that will be in there. Yeah. <laughs> and some people, I, I just think of my clients this morning, one of them, um, he, he's, he's quite shy and reserved, and he really struggles with being challenging with the MD, and he's the financial director, but he's, he's developing a relationship with the MD now where he feels a bit more comfortable. Yeah. And I could see the tension in him was less. It was quite interesting. I could see that difference. Now, he'll never probably get over his shyness, entirely but he's learning methods to deal with it yeah 
that is helpful. Um, my next guy, just have two guys today, but my next guy is not shy. He's very logical and he's thoughtful and um, he takes his time over things and that's great. And he's thorough and his boss is looking for pace and just get your elbows out and come on. And he's, he's not reluctant to do that. It's just he's got a certain style about him that makes that quite difficult to do. Yeah. So so his his order that their orders of the things are different and actually the the, the specifics are different but it's but it's all about human behavior mm -hmm. so so all of it is in there so that you know we have our introversion and our extroversion and our style and we're either thinking or we're feeling or we're judging so there's a whole lot of stuff going on and i said anything that's a common process that we all do as humans we all make judgments. Every we can't help it. We are geared to make judgments yeah. to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. So some people are far more negative in their judgments and far more pessimistic in their thinking. But the actual process of making judgments happens, and everybody does it. Mm -hmm. You can't not do it. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, you can try to pull yourself back. I suppose this is where it comes in as well. Is once you're aware of your own patterns and your own way of thinking, you can stop yourself from acting in a certain way and therefore mitigating what your judgments will will do to, yeah. to evolve a situation or or make a situation not so difficult. Um, yeah. as, and that's what you do is you, you help people realize who they are and therefore yeah. how to interact with the, with the rest of the world. And it, it's yeah. no longer how do you change the world to fit in with you, it's how do you adapt without giving up yourself yeah. to change with the world or to fit into the world that you're needing to fit into for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. And being, and, and being your authentic self and being comfortable with your authentic self, mm. even if it doesn't entirely match and fit, is hard work. Yeah. So how... Really how can you how can you start addressing that how can you start finding your authentic self in your opinion oh well that's a self-search one that one so <laughs> um so a lot of a sort of self-awareness work um get a help with a nice coach of course <laughs> um <laughs> some of us uh, have done therapy or found that really useful because we've maybe got some blocks. Be, I think there's there's some, it's a really interesting thing when you get feedback and somebody, I see it as a gift, you see. I think feedback is fantastic and it's not always positive, of course. Feedback can be the thing that's blind to you but other people experience. So it's their experience of you. And so we have to welcome that feedback. And if they're experiencing you in that way, that's their experience. So we can't say, no, that's not me. We have to, we have to realize that's their experience. And if we want to change their experience, we have to change our behavior. And of course, changing our behavior means we've got to understand what our habits are and what our core beliefs are and where did that come from? And so it was interesting on this course I've just been doing, there was one that really, I take loads of takeaways, but there's one that I think is quite relevant to this. And they talk about um, supervising and, and in your work, you bring your autobiography with you. So you operate from that. Aha, I, I mean, like it's really wording. <laughs> So your story about you, which you created when you were small, like five, you, you, you know, you bring all that with you to all that you do. But if we don't get aware of that story, 
then how are we ever going to change our behavior? Yeah, and change our future to what we want it to be and, and stop being a victim. Victim is the wrong word, but I'm going to use it anyway. A victim of our circumstance as opposed to someone that's yeah. looking yeah. forward and changing things proactively. Yeah, and sometimes victim is the right word. People get a bit stuck in that. Oh, well, I can't change. It's just the way I am. Yeah. And they're not taking the power that is exactly what's inside them. They, if they began to take their own power on and think about how they could think differently and challenge some of their thinking and think, well, actually, that's my mother's words in my head. Do I want my mother's words in my head? Are they okay? Are they fit for me? And it's amazing when you start unpicking and unraveling some <laughs> of that stuff. It can really, um, it can really empower you, really enable you. Yeah. How can, because be, being, uh, I know the word leader isn't necessarily something that you put onto yourself, it's something that's, it's almost like a title that's given to you, but when someone is in that position of wanting to be a leadership character and they need to find a circle around them that they can trust, because that, mm. that, that's a big thing, I, I feel at least, is having that trust circle that you can lean on so that as a leader, you can become better by learning from others. Um, and one of those, I think, is finding a coach or at least having someone that you can talk to. But for someone that maybe doesn't feel like they've got that support structure in place, mm. what advice would you have for them to find a coach that they resonate with and they can trust? Okay. Um, well, they need to meet the person. I, I mean, all, we're all online at the moment, so you can meet online, but there's got to be that chemistry and, and a feeling that this person you could work with and they could work with you. So I think it's, it's, it's both of them. How they find them tends to be um, through networking, actually, or recommendations. So most of my work now comes through recommendations. And so somebody might email me and say, oh, Caroline, um, so-and-so told me to get in touch with you. And I love those days. I love that. I think, <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Um, yeah. So I think I th if you're out shopping for a coach, it's a difficult one. I'd probably go with who do I know and who might they know? Yeah, that's where I'd start. And is it, do you feel like it's, it's more open for people to talk about seeing a coach and talking to a coach? So openly asking people, I mean, when it comes to saying, oh, who's your therapist and are they good? That's a bit harder of a conversation to have as opposed to saying, who's your coach? Are they good? Yeah, I think that first question might be uh, an American type one, maybe <laughs> they're, they're a bit more comfortable in that. Um, but yeah, no, I see a big shift. I mean, obviously in those years, um, coaching came into the business world from the sports world, actually. So um, I was at the early early days of that and it is about driving higher performance and, and um, it, I suppose it's the thinking and and how can you be better in the role that you're in or be better at the job that you're at so I, I now have a feeling that is changed to if you're in a leadership role or you're in a new role and um, as in a bigger role and you've got a bit more responsibility in the organization I think there's almost a feeling that you should have a coach or have you had coaching and um, so I think that discussions had more but also as is mentoring where are they going for their wise counsel with somebody that's been there, you know, worn the T-shirt, all of that stuff before them? So I think that could be I, I think those things are seen as absolutely right and normal now, um, rather than even just, oh, you must go on a training course. You must go on a leadership program. Yeah. Yeah. So 
and also peers you know and your colleagues and friends you 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 need to have a support group around you and and learn to trust that if you're doing something for somebody else in that lovely trusting open way then they'll do it back to you or with you so yeah it can work really well mm. what qualities would you say a leader has a good leader yes <laughs> a good leader <laughs> an effective leader oh how interesting yeah so their qualities it's quite it's fascinating because they need to have an, a real element of vision and envisioning ability ability to take others with them so um and i was just it was just a, a, an odd little thing we were talking about the other day with my client and he said there are some people that are on the bus his words not mine although i do use that analogy a lot and some people just don't get on the bus because they're not sure, they're frightened, or they actually don't want to get on the bus and they're, they're physically pulling back from the bus. Um, so I think that ability to take people on a journey, for them to trust that you're going to be a good leader for them. And it doesn't have to be leadership as in follow me, it could be leadership from behind. You know, I'll support you, go on, have a go. Yes, you do it, what's your thoughts? So they could have that kind of style of leadership. Um, so I think that that um, envisioning trust in their team, a real care for the team, a real connection with the individuals in that team and knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are and really tapping into that um, and knowing what motivates them, knowing how to switch them on, knowing what buttons to press, if you like, being compassionate when they're struggling um, and not showing that that's actually really stressful for them, that member of their team's not performing because now I'm not going to perform. You kind of got to be the bigger the bigger person when you're the team leader. Um, so it is absolutely fascinating. The other one I think is passion. Passion is an interesting one because that's very much about your own core beliefs. And, um, but, but expressing your, not just the beliefs, but the passion that goes with it and your commitment to whatever it is that you're really pushing on and what you, and what you love and what, you, and your behavior well, there's something about what you reward your people for. So if you are a kind of rewarding, as in positive recognition type leader, then people will respond warmly to you. It doesn't have to be financial rewards. It's, a, it's, it's more personal rewarding recognition, huge. So I hope they're kind of qualities. Yeah, I think think about them first, but be, be on side with them and at their side supporting them. Yeah. What are some of the passions that have kept you going throughout your journey? Oh, wow. Um, I'm a very determined person. When I set my, uh, when I set out, this is what I'm going to do, then I just don't ever question that I'm going to do it. It's uh, that we've got, to, I've said it, so I've got to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, um, I think determination is key. Um, I know I'm resilient, but I suppose I'm really passionate about a achieving what I set out and almost showing myself. I don't mean showing everybody else, but there will be an element of that. Ha, look how I did. But actually it's showing myself, you know. It's well, Callie, who'd have thought you'd have done that? I'd actually say these things to myself. I love it. <laughs> 
why did you get there? Oh God knows, don't know. But I do, I do actually have a bit of that level of self-motivation and drive. I also know I sometimes really I'm frightened about things or I'm concerned about things, but I'm very willing to put myself in the dangerous seat and and see see what happens to me. Um, and what did I learn from that? So I'm, I'm passionate about learning. I'm passionate about being all you can be. I really have this, I have this whole view about the undiscovered me. It's not, I don't know it all yet. And I'm very curious about what's in there. So that's a passion for me. I love it. What, what is one of the biggest hurdles that you've overcome and what did you learn from it? Um, I think, I think some of the hurdles are actually there's probably a couple in there. One will be the business itself. We're a small business, always been a small business, self-employed. Um, you have your moments with that. You look ahead and you think, oh, God, where am I going to get my business from? You had a contract, it cancelled, and you just about go and commit Harry Carry. <laughs> Help! <laughs> and and, and I, when I was in business with um, my colleague, Paul Foley, um, we were in business together a long time. And uh, it would be great because he would have maybe some drier times when I had fat times, as I call it. And when I was a bit, bit, bit less in the charts, think, oh, God, he was having good times. So it's that lovely support and balance. So I don't think you ever get over that. I mean, all these years have been self-employed. I cannot say. And now, now is another recession and it's going to be really tough this year. I cannot say that I go to bed at night thinking, ah, it'll be fine. I go to bed at night wondering, I wonder where I'm going to get business for. Um, I'm, I'm not too bad for February, but March, 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 help. And, you know, <laughs> February's a short month. So that reality will never leave me. So they're, they're tough ones. They're big, big hurdles. My husband also works for himself and um, runs his own business. And he's had um, two really big, bad crashes where um, we just about lost everything. So there's that reality. And then, then of course, there is the reality is we didn't. We're still alive and we've survived. So that's that bit. And I think the other, the other challenges will be sometimes when you have, um, or I've had, particularly maybe some of my team development, senior team work can be really challenging at times. And you come away, not so much, it didn't work. It's not that, it's did I do all I could? And that's the challenge. Did I get to the places that they all wanted to get to? And sometimes that's hard to know. It is hard. Because they're, they're a culture of their own. And you, you know, you're only in and out. You're like in for a couple of days or a day and then off again. So that's quite tricky. Um, to to come in and helicopter in and out and wonder. I spent my time wondering, oh well, <laughs> hope that was okay. It's starting a puzzle and then not getting to see the finished result. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you're not you're not part of their um, you're not part of their company, yeah. you're not part of the organization. Yeah. Uh, what other knowledge or insights would you like to share today? Oh gosh. Um, I think I think my my insights probably maybe it's a bit of both I think one of the things I used to always say when I'd go into an organization is let not let's not make this complicated I'm like I'm a great one for less is more can we just be practical here I am very pragmatic anyway but what is the point of saying it in that convoluted way when actually what do you and, and, and I do say that sometimes what do you what do you mean you know <laughs> what what are you trying to say <laughs> because some They'll come out with these words and I have no idea what's that and I think the bit for me is how does it land on their their people so if you're in a, in a if you're in a, a leadership role of any level in an organization um I think my my 
experience is of that is how do you check out how you are leading and how it's landing and how we need to have that constant, I don't mean daily feedback, but we need a regular cycle of feedback and insight and also being quite open with yourself and being, you know, who you are, being authentic, but being honest about yourself. And the more I think that some leaders can show a little bit of that vulnerability, you know, like, oh, I get really frightened about that too. They'd be surprised how that opens up their team members. So I, uh -huh. I don't think there's a role to be played other than the responsibility of a leader. I think that's huge. The responsibility is huge. But I don't, I, I think you do it in your own way. I think you have to do it in your own way for it to work. And my, my insight is check it out. Find out what people want, what people like, how it's helped them, how it's interfering with them. You know, and I, we once did a thing in our team and, um, you know, a bit of a bit of uh, insights work, actually. You've had Fiona Logan. I know you have. Um, and we used insights. And I love insights. And it was this is this is how I work. This is this is how I am. These are the ways to communicate with me. I love that. And, um, and and when you come to communicate with me, please don't do this. So all of that we did as a team, really helpful. And it, and then there was the reality check of that's how I actually impact on certainly two of the team members in a way I hadn't even thought about. So helpful. Now, can I change the way my personality is? Not really. Can I tone it down? Mm -hmm. Can I can I go a bit slower? Because you've recognised I'm pretty fast. Yes, I could do that. I could do that. If I put my conscious thinking head on, I can do that. Um, so, so that's where that level of insight and feedback and sharing together is really helpful. Thank you so much, Caroline. I think that we've covered so much. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you definitely want to cover and def definitely want to talk about today? No, I think the one thing I maybe didn't say is that belief in yourself. I mean, I know I said something about being determined, but, but also believe that you can do things that you've set out. You can do it. Why not? You know, other people are doing it, so why not you? The Institute of Directors is in the heart of all major cities and continue to represent your point of view as a business leader, both locally and nationally. Our objective is to ensure that your views are taken into account when the government is reviewing policy, legislation, or seeking the opinions of the wider business community. If you're interested in joining the IOD, please visit www.iod.com. Join the conversation and share your thoughts on today's episode by engaging with us on Twitter or joining the LinkedIn group.